0: I fascinating guest on the Podcast with Brendan Sir. It's um, my dear, dear friend, for many years, uh, Donnie Jones. Uh, Donnie has had an incredible career dating back to Marshall University. I'm with Billy Donovan at the University of Florida, and becoming the head coach of Marshall, the head coach of UCF, and has now embarked on an incredible career future with the Los Angeles Clippers as a professional and college scout. But we're going to tell that story as we move forward. Donnie, welcome to the podcast.
1: Coach, it's an honor to be with you.
0: Well, you know, uh, you know, t- just so our listeners uh, make sure they have a full understanding of this, uh, this is one of my really, really fun ones because not only are you a great coach and a you're a dear, dear friend. We've worked together. Uh, we talk every day. But I think the insight that you can give to our young coaches, the veterans that have been in the business all the way through will be invaluable. So thank you for doing this for our coaches. I appreciate it so much. Well, no. oh, Coach, I'm so excited. <laughs> listen, uh, let, let's get started. I think it's important that we have a lot of people that always uh, listen, that always ask us, uh, how do you get, in, how do you get started in coaching? I want to be a college coach. I want to do that. Tell people about your journey, about how you started in coaching all the way back to, you know, whether it be Pikeville or your Marshall days.
1: Yeah, coach. That's a you know, that's a great uh, question. You know, we're, we've all been successful because of of so many people that, that we've had in our life that, that at an important time that's given us a chance uh, to get started. And uh, you know, one of the greatest things, as you know, as you, as you do it as well as anybody in the country, is is being able to pay it forward to people. And you know, I was fortunate. I, I grew up in a small town in West Virginia, and and uh, in Point Pleasant, West Virginia, and you know, always wanted to be a college basketball player at some level, and um, when I was in the seventh grade, I met a guy named Greg White, who was a basketball player at Marshall University at the time and and happened to be dating a girl in Point Pleasant. And he was there in the summertime, and I was in the seventh grade, and uh, I would be at the courts working out. And how little did I know that that relationship would be so impactful uh, for my career later on as that when I graduated from college, or I'm sorry, graduated from high school, Uh, Greg White ended up getting his first college job at a small school called Pikeville College. And he called me up and I was the first recruit for him, offered me a scholarship to be his point guard, went on to Pikeville College, uh, played for Greg, uh, learned so much, um, you know, had a a nice career there for four years. I graduated and, Uh, I knew I wanted to be a college coach, so he was an influence at at that stage of my life to to encourage me to to go into coaching, and so I worked for him right out of uh, college for one year, and then he left and went on to Marshall University as an assistant coach at that time, and then went on to be the head coach at uh, the University of Charleston, so uh, the job had opened up at Marshall and one of his friends was an assistant, I had a graduate assistant position open. Uh, Dwight Freeman, uh, was the head coach at that time at Marshall and he offered me an opportunity to come up and be a grad assistant, uh, for, for him. And for two years, uh, I got my master's there and learned a lot at the division one level. And then they had an opening at the time as a full-time assistant, but that time was called a restricted earnings coach. Uh, so we had the same responsibilities. As a full-time coach, other than being able to leave campus and recruit, so mm-hmm. I got great on-floor coaching experience. Being able to work with the guys, being able to to be involved in the scouting, uh, being doing the scheduling, doing the camps. I got incredible experience, coach, just having the chance to to be there every day. And uh, I was in that position for two years, so I got four years under. Uh, you know, Coach Freeman there, and then uh obviously, unfortunately, we we lost our jobs there uh, after that. And um, a young coach, uh, 25 years old uh, at the time, uh, come into Marshall, uh, Billy Donovan. And so I, I didn't really know Billy. I'd been to clinics and I had a chance to see him a few times uh, as an assistant and knew him from afar, but. Um, I was fortunate at the time, Coach, to be there at at the right time. I worked, you know, for six or seven weeks there with Billy uh, before uh, the day he offered me the job uh, to stick around on the staff. Uh, You know, for six weeks there, I'd get up at 5 o'clock in the morning to beat Billy to the office, which is not easy to do. (laughs) Uh, And (laughs) I'd be the first one there uh, waiting on him, and then I would stay there and until he left, and a lot of times that was 12 or 1 o'clock in the morning. So for six weeks I was by his side and, and learned a lot, and he gave me the opportunity. And I remember walking out, and uh, it was the Final Four coming up, and matter of fact it was funny because Florida was in the Final Four uh in Charlotte, and I was going down with my resumes to try to find a job. And, and that's when he pulled me in and shut the door and said, listen, I'm going to offer you the job. You don't have to look for a job. We're excited to have you a part of our team so wow. that was a great day uh, obviously for me uh, it was a big relief I was just a young coach still trying to trying to fit in and, and trying to find my place and prove myself and so I got a chance to work along him and uh, you know, a guy named Anthony Grant uh, ended up being a pretty successful coach who they hired uh, who was at Stetson and then uh, John Pelfrey who had been a former player at Kentucky for Billy uh, as well. So it was us three, uh, together, uh, there at Marshall for a couple of years. And, and then, uh, obviously, you know, we made the move to Florida, but, but as a GA, that was the beginning for me to have an opportunity, uh, to learn and, uh, and be around some great people for a start.
0: Tell me this, honey. Uh, what was Billy Donovan, this incredible coach, Hall of Fame coach, like? At, what was he, 29 then when he became the head coach of Marshall, thereabouts?
1: That's correct. He was 29. Yeah.
0: That's exactly right. What the heck? I can't imagine what he was like. Tell me tell me about him at that age.
1: Yeah, well, passion. I mean, obviously, the, the, the biggest thing for Billy early on probably was not much different than what you see now. Obviously, he's he's a little more polished <laughs> because he's probably a little more confident in himself through experience yeah. and success. Uh, but uh, Billy's an incredible... Uh, you know, he's a leader. You know, we talk about leadership all the time. Me and you talk about yeah. that every day. And I think, yeah. uh, you know, leaders are responsible for driving your culture every day. And and Billy had an unbelievable uh, ability, uh, you know, with his, his mindset, his passion, his energy. He knew what he wanted to do. Uh, he brought that passion and energy every day, which was contagious to his staff and to his players and he understood uh, the, the other ability of being able to uh, add value to people in, in the aspect of he was really focused on improving every player. And uh, he, he did that through individual instruction. He did that through daily work and obviously sold the team concept as, as the ultimate way of having success. And when all of us have success, then each of us will have success individually. And that, that was a big mindset he, he started from the beginning, and that's always been a staple for him. But he had great passion, great energy, and uh, great work ethic. That's always what separated Billy from, from a lot of coaches, I think. And the most incredible quality that he has along with that is humility. Billy's an incredible, humble person, uh, very uh, giving, uh, very um, thoughtful. In many ways, and, uh, that it's not all about him, it's, it's about everybody else. And that's, it's a great quality he's been able to keep with him, you know, throughout his career. Now,
0: Billy had come from Kentucky, where he worked for Rick Pitino, who was his college coach. Did he bring what you felt were a lot of Rick's qualities, or did he try to, uh, emulate, uh, Rick at Marshall?
1: Yeah, I think he probably had a little more passion, uh, in a different way where he demanded from those guys. Not that he never stopped on that. Sure. Uh I I think that uh you know, early on, um, you know, I think that Billy was was probably more aggressive in the aspect of how he demanded from those guys, never in a wrong way. That uh, I think uh you know those were just some of the qualities that Billy was trying to figure out how do I inject my personality because my personality is is not coach patino 's personality uh, as a young coach he was he was following what he had seen, and not that that was bad. that was a pretty successful no. guy to follow. but I think as a young coach we're all trying to figure out how do we take what we 've learned from our predecessors as as I did working for Billy and, and inject my personality into the values that I have learned from them. Mm-hmm and make them be successful for me where it fits my personality. And I think Billy was in that stage early on, but he adapted that pretty quickly to experience and what he felt more comfortable with. And, and as he had success with being himself and uh, what's being himself was good enough. And I think that's what we all go through as young coaches. You know, that you brought up an interesting point. Now, you, you had one heck of a staff
0: at Marshall, even at a young age where all of you had went on to become terrific head coaches and each of you that I know of you guys, each of you is different. Uh, and so that being who you are, being yourself, not trying to totally imitate anyone else is a really important thing for a young coach to understand, isn't
1: it? It really is. And I think you, you know, you're always trying to please the head coach and, you know, that's a credit to Billy. You know, he never made it about competition to each other. Like it was me against Anthony or Anthony against John to prove that, right. that we had more value than each other. I think Billy was so humble and mm-hmm. making everybody apart that we all felt that we could be ourselves and, and, and ourself was good enough. The biggest thing is that we worked hard. Uh, we all knew that, uh, there was an atmosphere there just like we had created for a team that it wasn't a star system where one player was, was given the credit more than the other is that we all, we all had a certain role and we knew what that role was. And you know, I think sometimes in times in leadership, coach one of the two biggest qualities that people fail out fail at is you know when you ha- you don't have a blueprint and people don't know what's expected of them. And, and I think that we had a good feel of knowing what was expected and, and able to produce you know results and being ourselves.
0: That's a great point, Donnie. When uh, you guys had some success, I believe the Florida job opened. Possibly is that when Lon Kruger left and went to Illinois. I'm not sure of the sequence exactly. But all of a sudden, uh, a guy like Jeremy Foley goes after Billy Donovan. Tell us what you remember of that whole thing and that process of all of a sudden Billy getting the Florida job.
1: Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Well, coach, you're correct. It was Long Kruger. He did take the job at Illinois. And, uh, it was funny just two years before that, I was going to the final four and to watch <laughs> Florida play. And, uh, with Long Kruger and here two years later, we're getting the call, you know, from Jeremy Foley and, and, uh, and obviously Billy had a little familiar rarity with Florida being at Kentucky, uh, at the time. Uh, but the one that really had the background knowledge was Anthony Grant. Uh, I remember uh, when Billy called us in the office and he had gotten the call uh, that Jeremy Foley wanted to speak to him in reference to this job. I think Coach Bettino had called Billy and said that they had a sincere interest in him. Uh, he asked Anthony Grant, and I remember Anthony Grant, the look on his face, which he sometimes does not show a lot of emotion publicly, <laughs> was like, you got to be kidding me. You know, that is a sleeping giant. That job could be as big as any uh, in the country, and it's just waiting." You know to be really good even though they just came from the final four they'd only had pockets of success as we know and basketball had been known as a football school so with that i think you know he got really excited and i think it wasn't just too much uh before that a couple weeks before i know south florida had called as well in reference to billy in the job and uh and he at that time you know he was didn't know a lot about South Florida, and then now the Florida job had called, and then Billy was so excited about that opportunity after talking to Anthony. So you guys accept uh, – Billy accepts the job
0: down there, uh, and that was the situation where – did he bring the whole staff?
1: How did that work out? Yes, he did. Uh, I remember Jeremy Foley flew in, met with Billy at his house. Um, he called me up and told me that Jeremy Foley was here, wanted us to come out, to the house, he did not mention that he had accepted the job yet, but he said, I just want you to meet the athletic director. So went out there and met Jeremy Foldy for the first time, which was, you know, obviously incredibly impressive. Uh, right. and he once met Jeremy, as you know, uh, and just his excitement, his passion, he let, he lined out his blueprint of what he wanted to do with Florida basketball where he thought it could be. And uh, I know that really excited Billy because he knew the importance of of having, you know, your athletic director on the same page and the same vision and even having a bigger vision than we had uh, of how we could get there. So with that, I know Billy felt really uh, confident and secure, you know, with a guy who was going to stand by his side all the way through the bumps along the way and trying to build this thing into a national power. So you go down to Florida, and
0: how long do you end up staying as an assistant with Billy at Florida?
1: coach I was with Billy there for 11 years as an assistant and uh and it was it was an incredible experience and not only was it you know great obviously with John Pelthy, Pelfrey and Anthony Grand and later on Larry Shyatt was come right. on and joined us but you know I felt I was learning every day a lot of people I had some job offers later on at some schools uh that I looked at you know because our you know our goal was always to be a head coach you know at the right time and but, you know, it was really hard to, to walk away because I really still felt that, that I was growing every day and I was getting better every day and, and that I still had a purpose there or something that we were still trying to accomplish. And, and that was to win the national championship. And that's really what I, I wanted to be a part of before I did leave. If that could happen. And, you know, we were fortunate uh, that that did happen not only once, but twice along the way. And you got, that. and another final four even before that, correct? We did. We finally broke through in 2000, and, you know, we made it to the national championship game against a very good Michigan State team and, uh, fell short. But, uh, but that was the, that was the beginning of the big jump we made from building the program, uh, over, over our four years and, uh, was able to have a breakthrough now to, to build this for the future. Okay. So at Florida, you guys, I think, uh, have it
0: develop a unique style of play, which really fostered the success. Why don't you talk a little bit about the defensive style of play, which was different than other teams and how that really was key to your guys' success.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Well, you know, I think the biggest thing for Billy is, you know, obviously coming from playing in that system at Providence with Coach Patino, coaching at Kentucky and having success. You know, he got to experience it as a player. He got to experience it as a a coach, and so with him, he really understood what was expected. And so with that, each and every day, you know, we we become a defensive team first. A lot of people thought we were an offensive team that shot threes, but that was just a part of what we done. But uh, we built it from the full court to the half court, and we talked about being able to guard in a full court, uh, by being able to have different schemes in our press uh, based on who we were playing, uh, it changed. Uh, you know, sometimes we had guys on the ball. Sometimes we, we face-guarded certain people. Sometimes we doubled certain people when they had the ball. Sometimes we didn't trap at all. So it was a press at the time that that constantly changed. And I think that with that, it gave our guys confidence a lot of times that when we were the underdog that we had a chance to disrupt teams and to be able to put teams at a disadvantage and keep them uncomfortable uh that gave us a chance to bring him down to our level that we would have a chance to beat him in the end. And so I think, you know, with that Billy preached that every day. He demanded it every day. Uh obviously there's a lot of days that we weren't very good early on because it usually takes a couple of years for guys to understand the schemes and the how hard you gotta play and what kind of shape and conditioning you gotta be in and the mentality you gotta have to be a relentless competitor every possession. And, you know, with that, uh, it took a couple years to do that and get the right guys that fit that system every day who would have the same kind of passion and work ethic that Billy had uh, to be able to compete in that type of system. You know, you mentioned it the key being uh, the type of
0: people that you need to play that style of play, Donnie. And I think we both realized that, you know, one of the real key things is the talent, the players. and. I think what really was significant was the way you guys recruited and where it evolved from when you first got there to at the end when you're on the national recruiting basis. Uh Talk about some of the neat players that you had there over the years, not just as basketball players but as people and where they are today. I think that's that just kind of tells what happened there
1: absolutely coach and and uh and I'll try to get back to you quick there's so many great sure. ones to talk about that that I'll probably yeah. leave out but <laughs> but the early but the early part the, the early part of it was you know we first got there, you know we were trying to jump on the scene and try to recruit guys nationally, and we found out real quick that we were behind the eight ball that you just don't walk into to a school that doesn't have a big name and try to get involved with the top fifty player uh because it just there's no relationship. Uh, there's no identity uh, for a kid to choose you that quick. So what we did is we started out with a, a fundamental base of guys that we felt we could build our foundation on that were high character, that were winners, that were kids that were overachievers, uh, the kids that we felt would come in and, and, and be able to, which is a great quality, maybe handle the bumps in the road early on and handle losing, not that we expected mm-hmm. to lose, but to be able to have that that drive every day that it bothered them that they were going to prove to everybody that we could do something special, and so that was a great quality we were looking for that someone just wouldn't quit when it got hard and so we went out and got you know three pretty good players. We got a kid named Major Parker who was a six five athlete that was just a almost a defensive end football player but a great competitor. Got a kid named Brentley Wright out of uh, Miami, uh, who was a below the rim, six, seven, six, eight, hard playing, tough kid that won at Miami High and, uh, just knew how to play and compete and brought it every day. And, uh, you know, we started off with those guys along with, you know, had a kid Kenyon Weeks there that we'd got out of North Carolina. Mm-hmm. It was a shooter and it was really good. So with that, you know, we went on and started with those guys, and we had a guy named Jason Williams a lot of people hadn't heard of It was setting out, uh, you know, white chocolate, they call him in the NBA now. But he was a kid that I'd known since the eighth grade in West Virginia. We recruited to Marshall and transferred in with us when we came there. And uh, we knew how talented he was. Did we know he'd be as good as he is? Later on, wasn't sure because he was still so young, but really developed into a great, great player, as we well know. And I went on to have a great career in the NBA, but he was in the beginning there. Um, and so our first couple of years there, uh, you know, we were just a good team. We weren't a great team. We made it to the NIT and then we were able to sign Mike Miller. That was the big difference. Uh, we got a commitment out of, uh, a kid first though out of Florida that we started recruiting sophomores in the state to direct, try to develop relationships. And the first one we went after was a kid named Teddy Dupay. Teddy was a sophomore at five foot nine uh white kid that had great that had Billy's passion, had Billy's heart, had Billy's ability to shoot it, he was a big game player and he thought he was, you know, better than everybody in the country. And he <laughs> had that passion about him. And some nights he was. And you know, Teddy was the all time leading scorer in the state of Florida. Uh he had games that we saw him score seventy eight and eighty points back to back in tournaments. Jeez. Incredible talent. And went on, obviously he committed as a tenth grader. I was 10th grade year, and Teddy from there, who played for Billy's high school coach, the, the great late Frank Morris at yeah. Mariner High School. So he understood the system. He understood the style of play that Billy had learned in high school from as well, and so he was an instant fit with what we were trying to do, and Teddy became one of our most important recruiters. He helped recruit a lot of guys in the state for us because he had bought into a young coach and Billy Donovan at Florida. Uh, he was the underdog all his life. They had the same mentality. And he went on to obviously help recruit Yadonis Haslam and, and uh, a lot of these guys in the state of Florida that come on to play with us. And, and uh, you know, Teddy came in along with Mike Miller, who we signed, which was the big first national recruit to take a chance on us at Florida. He passed up a lot of great schools, uh, to come here from North Carolina to Kansas to UCLA to Duke to Kentucky. Those were his schools. And he chose a team that had a, that had a losing record of 14 and 15 the year before. He called them all the way across the Midwest, uh, to choose Florida, uh, just based on, you know, obviously a relationship that he had formed with our staff and, and Billy Donovan, you know, to, to, to believe he could come in and help change a culture forever. And, and he did. We went on to the Sweet 16 his freshman year, and we played for the national championship uh, his senior year, which we had the number one recruiting class in the country. We got the number one player in, in uh, Don L. Harvey, who come in to play. We had the number one point guard in the country in Brett Nelson, uh, who was a point guard out of West Virginia, terrific player, uh, who come in to play. We had Matt Bonner. Uh, who played on that team, has been a long-time pro. He just finished up with the Spurs. Uh, we had, you know, Kenyon Weeks, Teddy DuPay. We had a kid named Justin Hamilton on that team uh, yeah. that came on uh, to play as well. So, you know, that team, we had ten sophomores and freshmen, and we played for the national championship in 2000. So from that year we went on coach, and <clears throat> that next year we had the number one recruiting class again. We signed the number one center in the country, a kid named Kwame Brown who we all know had the number one pick the following year. We had the number one power forward in David Lee, and we had the number one small forward in the country in a guy named James White. That was our three scholarships that year. And those guys came in, obviously, other than Kwame Brown, who went number one uh, in the draft to the Wizards at the time, I think. And, uh, you know, from there, we went on, and, uh, you know, we didn't make it back to the Final Four that following year. Uh we got beat out I think in the second round by a very good temple team, but you know, we stayed in the top ten in the country most of the year those next couple of years and and then uh you know, to make a long story short, we went on to we thought we went to a rebuilding stage here uh of of adding some different guys to our program. We get we were getting all these McDonald all Americans which were good players, but we felt we needed to get back to add, you know, the guys that were going to be there, we felt for two, three, four years to build our foundation again. And so we kind of went through a rebuild, uh, time, still made it to the tournament, but we wasn't a national factor, uh, in the NCAA tournament for a few years until 2006. You know, we had those four sophomores and, um, at that time, obviously Joe Kim Noah, Al Horford, Torian Green, and Lee Humphrey. So those guys came in and, uh, were four pretty good sophomores, and we went all the way, obviously, you know, to a national championship and won it. Uh, we were unranked. Uh, we were ranked 76th in the country preseason, and um, we brought everybody back that following year. Coach, as we well know, and and we won back to back with those same guys. And uh, and you know, obviously, those guys went off. I just was at the Boston Celtics game without Horford uh, the night before, and you know, we still. Also share a close relationship uh, with the memories we had with that special group there. Now, I remember, you
0: know, when those uh, those young men uh, Corey Brewer, Horford, and uh, Joe Kim, uh, yes. when they all got drafted, they were at that time they were the three highest lottery picks ever from one program. Uh, and, and I think the thing that was so unique about those guys is that I think maybe only Corey scored in double figures, maybe, or just about, maybe. What was it? Tell yeah. me about those guys. Yeah. I mean, it was like 40, we're we're point, 20 point
1: scores. These were guys that just affected winning, right? Absolutely, Coach. That's 2006. We had our top five guys, our starting five, all average. Uh, no more than 12 points. Corey Brewer was the highest total at 12 points a game. Everybody else was 10 and above 10 or 11. So <laughs> we came back bad. the following year, the exact same numbers. Everybody, we had five guys in scoring and all of the highest was Corey Brewer at a little over 12 a game. And, uh, and it's funny. I sit there, I took my son Isaac to the game and we watched Al Horford play and he looked over at me, and he says, Dan, Al Horford only has 10 points, but he's the best player on the floor. And I said, you're 100% exactly right, because he had eight rebounds, eight assists, four steals. He's coaching everybody on the floor. He's making the right pass. He's defending every ball screen. He's running the floor. He's impacting winning with his presence on the floor. And that's, that's who those guys were. That's why they're you know, going to be 16, probably 17-year pros as long as they can stay healthy because of their mentality of understanding how to play. And that's what made that group so special, yeah. coaches, yeah. that they, they they developed. You know, I think that, that was what made that group so unique
0: is that they really were a team. It wasn't a star-driven team. It was a team of really good players, really great people uh, from the outside, and I, I, I just think that, you know, now in your experience going through that uh, in building a team, uh, whether it be at the college or professional level, when you're out there recruiting or acquiring talent, what are some of the qualities you look for in players in general? You know, if you had to... Yeah, absolutely.
1: Had, yeah. Yeah, because, you know, it's been interesting, you know, because I've been able to do that, you know, with this job. I've, that I'm really enjoying with the Clippers here right now is having a chance to, you know, how do you put teams together, you know, with the qualities. And, and, and we thought about that for all those years of the personalities and the character and everything that's involved. And, you know, I think, first of all, you know, you're looking for the character. I mean, obviously they got to have talent. That's obviously important. But I think the biggest thing is, you know, what are these guys, uh, is, is the things that makes these guys go. I mean, what is their makeup? Their DNA, you know, in the aspect of, you know, how they bring it every day, you know, what is their passion for the game, who's the circle of influence of people around them that can, that can motivate them and 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 drive them or tear them down every day. In the aspect of where you're not able to coach them because they're draining from them uh, on a the daily aspect. Uh, and I think the other thing is, you know, with these guys is, you know, what kind of teammate are they? You know, we're, we're such in a me world today. Everything is about the me society and, and the millennials, you know, it's just a different culture. And not that that's a bad thing. We all have to adjust and learn how to communicate with those type of people. And I think for us as coaches and as us as evaluators and, and leaders is we, we have to know how to, to, to communicate with them, that's the number one most important thing. Uh, can we communicate with who we're recruiting and who we're going to have on our team, and will we be able to coach him and guide him and lead him? And 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 obviously, talent's important. You know, I was fortunate. I coached the Sam Whiteside, you know, at Marshall, and, yeah. wow. and I think the biggest the, the biggest thing with him, coach, you know, I think just like with kids today, is 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 obviously getting to understand them and being able to connect with them to understand, you know, we always say our love language, you know, your love language, my love language, my wife's love language, players love it. It's all different. And we got to understand, you know, how do they learn to trust us so we can influence them. And, you know, can you influence them? You know, what kind of motor do they have? What kind of toughness do they have, um, you know? kind of what's their past experiences been, you know, have they been to five, six schools. And if they have been, why, you know, why is that the case? You know, you know, what kind of success have they had not only on the floor individually, but, you know, as a player with other teams, you know, what's their basketball IQ, you know, those were big things. All those things are the same qualities that we look for at Florida that we're looking to add with the Los Angeles Clippers today. But it's that championship DNA as a, as a team, but also as an individual uh and, and then you know obviously the last and most important thing probably is our is our ability to to be a servant leader you know how do they care and share and about each other? you know all great teams have have had you know great teammates you've been a part of great teams at Detroit, and you know is there days those guys didn't get along absolutely did they compete mm-hmm. against each other every day <laughs> absolutely I mean the best Games were not the ones you saw on TV. It was practice many days, as yeah. you well know. But at the end of the day, they put their arms around each other. They loved each other. They trusted each other. They cared about each other. And it's lifelong relationships because of the experience they've had. With Donnie, with the experience
0: that you've had now, uh, we'll talk about your head coaching mm-hmm. career, but as an assistant and a head coach, you just, uh, you just, something in my head uh, you know as a head coach uh, what is the importance of you or is it the, your role to create that culture to try to make that happen and it's like being a teacher or a parent uh, every day in your classroom which is your your court your practice facility you know uh, where does that lie? Is it is it the head coach? Is it the assistant coaches? Is it everyone? What you, what's your thoughts on that? that
1: you know. Yeah, abs- absolutely, coach. You know, and you know, I had a couple things. You know, I talked about, you know, obviously developing culture. You hear that word a lot today, and we study yeah. it a lot. And it's so important. And uh, yeah. and leadership. You know, leadership is. You know, we're responsible. I think when you talk about obviously coaching and leadership, you know, we're responsible for driving our culture every day you know, and what we do. And culture is what you're doing, okay? It's what you're doing. And I think what happens, you know, we talk about vision. You're trying to implement vision with your team every day. That's what you're seeing, but culture is what you're doing. And and culture has a like-mindedness, as you well know. That's what we had at Florida. We all had that like-mindedness vision and purpose every day where everything was clear and in sync with what we were doing and And that's what made it unique, and so i I was thinking about you know so how how is that culture built? I think that obviously the first thing is to build trust. you know the first mm-hmm. thing you're trying to do amongst your staff, amongst your players it all amongst your everybody on there, you know from your managers on is you're building trust every day about how you add value okay and then the next thing's your standards, your blueprint about you know here's what we wanna do, everybody has to know what their role is or 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 what they're supposed to be doing said, be held accountable. And I think that's the third thing is accountability. We hold them accountable to our standards and the blueprint that we've put forward uh, every day. And that's how we continue to build trust is how we hold them accountable. And then the next thing is we try to do is develop confidence. I think every day you, you're trying to develop confidence about uh, where they're buying into what you're doing. All right? And you're getting constant feedback from your assistants, from your managers, from your trainers of what guys are thinking or what the issues may be. And, you know, and I think any time that, that that you have a problem or an issue and you let that get by, you're setting another standard that you're going to have to deal with later on. So it's important every day to develop that trust and confidence of what you're doing. And then the next thing is promote teamwork. You know, learn how to serve each other. Learn how to have that common vision every day. You know, when I think about those teams that we had were great. You know, that was the thing that was that was being implemented every day. We were at that. Number five, I'm just talking about is promoting teamwork where they were bought into serving each other. They didn't care who got the credit. And then you got to challenge them. I think number six is challenge them every day. How do you challenge and keep an atmosphere of competition where they don't get bored with the process every day where you keep equipping them to grow as people and then as a team? And then the last, you know, one, which is very important for all of us is recognition. Is recognition. I mean, how do we give them recognition? as a team, but also individually. We, we keep egos in check to where they they do got to have some individual recognition where they see the big picture of the reward by having the sacrifice at the end. And I think, you know, with those, you know, that's, I think that's how, you know, you kind of, we build our teams. I felt at Florida with those qualities when I sat and thought about them. And, um, and and we were able to drive that culture every day with assistance. but. That Billy had that passion and that purpose every day, which fueled us all to use our strengths to help guide these guys grow into something that they'll remember the rest of their life with. Wow.
0: That is unbelievably powerful. That is, that is, that, that's, a, that's a class, my friends. That is, that is a class. <laughs> wow. That is that I'm so damn excited right now. That, that, that is, I, I, I have a pen and I'm, I'm writing every one of them down, Donnie. That is that's incredible. That's incredible stuff. And I'm and I'm with you every day. But that is that that's the way to put it. uh In the seven steps like that, it's just ridiculous. Wow, that is awesome, folks. I hope you you got all of them down. Please listen to that one again. <laughs> that is incredible, Donnie. Now you have to make a big decision. Now you win your second national championship, and then all of a sudden, even in the middle of your recruiting here comes opportunities for a job. Uh, You don't have to walk through in detail, but tell us you would share things behind the scenes of now the mindset of your head coach, who's very supportive of you, uh, yourself of saying, I love the team I'm with that we just won two back-to-back championships with. We love living in Gainesville, Florida. Our family loves it here, but I have a chance to become a head coach and maybe to go back quote unquote home, tell uh, give me the things that go through your head and all that during that time,
1: yeah, absolutely, coach. and you know what, and all those things you're right on because I know i've I've leaned on you for a lot of my decisions in my life. I've been thankful for our relationship and you know, and I think uh you know the biggest thing was you know I felt that uh the the timing was right for me uh to step out and and have a chance to to implement what i'd learned you know from all the people i've been blessed to be around and have a chance to put that with uh, a new opportunity and into uncharted waters should we say and walking into the unknown the fear of the unknown as we always say is the worst fear of all but i think that it would give me a chance to go back to a place i was familiar with a place that growing up as a kid only 40 miles away i'd looked up to uh, you know i'd met I'd been a Marshall fan, watching them every day and as a kid being taken there by my church group to to the games and sit there like a fan and, and now I had a chance to to share what I'd learned, like I'd been to med school and now I got a chance to be a doctor with all the people wow. that you know had given me unconditional love all my life to go back to, to West Virginia and have a chance to build a program at the time that was going through some struggles. We had seven straight losing seasons before we came back. And so I felt that there was a huge opportunity there for me to grow and to be able to walk in, you know, with people already and new in the community and established relationships. I thought we could jump onto the scene and breathe life back into that program. So that excited me. Plus my wife was from there and it gave her a chance to go back with our kids. We'd never lived at home together since we'd been married and had a chance to, to do it together. And uh, and uh it was everything that, that I thought about. We went back. Obviously there was a lot of – A lot of struggles early on trying to build the program and the the fan excitement again because it's been down from from the years before. Uh, But it's a great culture in Huntington. These people are amazing. Uh, They love basketball. They love their school. Uh, They're very prideful. And you know, we had our first winning season. We went 16 and 14 that year, and uh, and and gave us a lot of energy uh, with those kids that we had in the program from previous staff and. And then we had to start all over that second year. You know, we we had to bring in nine new players. So wow. we did it with a couple of transfers and freshmen, and 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 so you know, that year we were one game under 500. The second year, and and then we you know we added some more people in our third year, and obviously we won 24 games and, and went to a postseason tournament, which is the first time in 25 years at Marshall that had happened. So really? we were excited wow. that, that the yeah, we were excited. Uh, we didn't make it to the NCA tournament, but we finished in the top 50 of uh, RPI, and we won 24 games, 11 in the conference, which was very good that year. And um, we had everybody coming back. And uh and obviously, we had a great player. The only one not coming back was Sam Whiteside, uh who had put his name in the draft at that time, and uh, and obviously was drafted 32nd by the Sacramento Kings. He had a great year as a freshman there. Uh, he probably has a chance to go down. is maybe the, the best to ever play there. And obviously, we've had some great ones there. And Hal Greer and uh, Mike D'Antoni, two of the best to ever play there. But uh, this kid has a chance to be, you know, one of them. And uh, so we, we got life back into it. And then obviously, the next step is I had to make a decision, which was very hard and to, to stay or have a chance to come back here to UCL. Yeah.
0: So now, now all of a sudden, because of the great success, uh, you get a job that. You know, obviously, uh, I'm living in Orlando at the time and, uh, I think, and you had lived in Florida for so many years, you knew, everyone knew of the quote, you know, uh, word potential of a, of that school, you know, the sleeping giant, so to speak, and stuff. Um, you know, give me some of the factors of, you know, again, where they were at that point and it, from a leadership standpoint, you know, you know, with their president, their athletic director at the time, who shared the vision that you had for the school, but talk about, uh, your decision to, uh,
1: jump on a uh, on a situation, opportunity like that. Yeah, and it was pretty, you know, obviously coach, we have a lot of hard decisions in life and you go through them and that's part of success and failure is knowing, uh, you're going to be faced with those decisions and making the ones at the right time you feel the right. And right. at that time it was very hard. We just come off the, that success and you know and obviously i've been in florida you know here for 11 years on my roster i had five kids that i've recruited from florida and brought to huntington uh they wow. had followed me there so here i was having to make a decision to go back to ucf i'd watched ucf from afar for many years grow from a division two program to a to a division one program and, um, and obviously the leadership there was important. Um, it was Keith Tribble, who was a, a guy known from use, from Florida days who had been with the Orange Bowl. Uh, and, and obviously we had a very good relationship, you know, from Jeremy Foley, Billy, everybody. It was a guy that, that I felt that I could trust and a guy that I felt could, that would have that same relationship Billy had with Jeremy Foley that could help build a program on a national stage and had a chance to do that in time and, so, I think that we had a relationship that we understood what it would take, and he was bought into to being committed to that and And the goal in two years was to be in the Big East, which right all science pointed for that to happen and so with that, I had to make a decision Do to wait two more years and have not had that opportunity when opportunity comes, so we take it and go and so we felt it was a great opportunity to move to Orlando, come back to Florida, where we'd kind of established our recruiting base, our name. And I knew that um the hard part would be I'd have to be in that same conference where I just left for a couple of years before it went to the Big East, but uh it was something that we felt at the time was was for the future, so we did. We did get in the Big East, obviously. We know the Big East fell apart several months right after that, which was unfortunate. But uh, but, you know, we jumped in to taking this thing at UCF, which was the hardest decision I think I ever made as a coach, uh just because you know, the loyalty factor that you felt with so many people that you loved in Huntington that, you know, felt like it was, we were letting them down, believe, and that was very hard for us uh, when we made that decision. Yeah, and, and you know, and,
0: and it came true. You got into the Big East Conference, became the largest conference in the country for a little bit. In 19 teams, it was going to be a, a superpower league, uh, bigger than any conference in the country. Uh, at the time, you had, uh, I think we had... There's Syracuse, Pitt, Louisville, uh, you know, all, all, all kinds of folks in there, and uh, yes, you know, and the seven Catholic schools which now make up the the present Big East, uh, it was a super conference, and would have been excited to see, but uh, unfortunately, you know, it fell apart because of the you know, ACC poaching and the Big East, the, the Catholic schools all deciding to go on their own and stuff, and. Uh, But it was was something that really could have been incredibly special uh, uh, for the school and stuff. It would have been, uh, I mean, talk about, you know, people talk about hard conferences. This thing was the monster of all monsters that was potentially there, huh?
1: Absolutely. It really was, Coach. And, you know, we thought we knew, I I thought maybe we had a chance for two years to sell that, that we were going to the Big East. And obviously we would take our knocks and bangs early on. Uh, in it, it'd take two or three years to turn the corner in that league when you make the change. But, but you know, we were looking at it as, as we did when we went to Florida. You know, here we're hoping in year four or five or six, you know, we got a chance to be one of those teams and right. that they can make the move and, uh, and brand a place where it hadn't been done before. That excited me as well at a young program in UCF with all the things it does have to offer academically, location, Facilities. Now we just needed a name and a conference behind us to drive that school, and that was the thing that excited me uh, from from the start. And uh, just just some quick uh, things
0: on uh, UCF. Uh, but you know, when you get there, you implement a, a, an entirely different style of play from your predecessor. Uh, and the players fall in love. You have Michael Jordan's son, Marcus, there. You have uh, Keith Klan, a really good player there. And uh I think, if I'm not
1: mistaken, you start out your first year, with 13 and 0 at one point. Am I right? because yes. we, we were 14 and uh, 0. 14 and 0, and 0. we get all the way to 18th in the country. Yeah, we went to. And uh, we had a great you know, Yeah,
0: and uh, and I thought, you know, you, you did a, a masterful job of uh, just starting that culture and change, and the players have bought in beautifully. Uh, you know, you end up with a really nice year. And then the second year, did you win 21 games? I'm trying to remember exactly. Uh, 20, what was the second year? We won year 23, 23.
1: 23. We won 23, game, 23 games wow. the second year. And we went to the uh, NIT. We thought we had a chance to get in the NCAA tournament, but we went to the NIT right. and, uh, that year. It was the first post-season invite in UCF history. Uh, we were invited to the NIT. And um, and we had everybody back coming back for that third year, along with some very good transfers setting out uh, into that third yeah. year. And and then that's when we went through the NCA stuff, you know, with our school. Yeah. And you know with yeah. Them. And 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 that's and that's and that's difficult stuff
0: and stuff. But you, you know you end up uh, you know having a, a great run at UCF. Have left uh their new coach Johnny Dawkins, with some terrific talent you know with the great one of my favorite people you ever recruited taco hall uh who is talk talk just briefly about this young man you talk about you know you and him connecting uh talk, talk to people that don't know taco yet who will become a household name Tell about this young man, his size, his academic ability his where he came from. And that special relationship that you two formed, and that's how he really you got to
1: get him because of that totally that relationship. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Well, coach, with my new job, I can't really talk much about. Oh, wait, about
0: I'm sorry. Right I apologize. Do you want the rules. Yeah. I'll talk about it someday. I hope someday I'll I can. Talk about it. You're right. That's right. I, <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm so worried about college rules, Donnie, with the NCAA. Now I got to worry about the NBA rules, right? yeah we're not, to talk cl- we're not allowed to talk about it we're not to talk about but I will say a unique individual who is the epitome of a student athlete uh who you know just is is everything you're supposed to be who got out of his uh got out of senegal came to the u s and found a relationship between all the schools in the country recruiting and a head coach in you and he picked you. And UCF and because of you. And I think that that's, that's the only thing that needs to be said. And I, and I love this kid and I'm so happy he's playing and, and doing well. And we'll hear about him down the road. I'm sorry I put you in a bad spot there. All right. Well, we'll fast forward now to uh, what, what I think is I'm so excited about is we're, you know, everything in life is about a journey and chapters and stuff like that. And every time that, you know, in life, you you go through a a speed bump, uh, you you know, you have to get back up, and you have to, if you have true perseverance and if you have mental toughness, you have to, you know, it's like losing a game, missing a foul shot to win a game. You have to get back on the horse, so to speak. Tell me now a couple of things. Number one, uh, with the Clippers, uh, you know, you mentioned, we mentioned a couple of times early on, and briefly, what you're allowed to say of what you're doing with them.
1: Yeah, Coach, it's been a great opportunity. I mean, it's a great organization. Obviously, Doc Rivers is, is phenomenal. We've got a great owner, Steve Ballmer, and, and obviously Lawrence Frank has been a a, a friend for, for years, known him from college. And uh, those guys have are really doing a great job putting together a culture that's just not good for these past four years, but one that's going to be good for, for a lifetime. And I think uh, that excited me. I got a call from from, from uh, Lawrence uh, about an opportunity to to be a part of, you know, building their culture as it continues to move forward with the, the great team they got now. And, uh, you know, so that excited me. It kind of put me back in that mindset of, you know, what I like doing is putting together teams and building teams mm-hmm. and having a chance to go out and evaluate and, and learn the pro game, uh, have a chance to have a connection with uh, those people. I'm a big fan of the NBA, obviously, and being with you for all these years and you know, I feel like I've been in the NBA for the last 15 years because I've learned so much from you, and in, in, in the mindset and the and the things that's required at that level. And so, having a chance to jump in here and be a part of that, and go out and watch college players, and and look at guys uh, from a from a different perspective in in depth of of the things that we talked about from character, from from the circle of influence, from from where they're at now to where they could be potentially down the road to project that based on the qualities that they have as a person, uh, based on the system they're playing in, you know, based on are they a fit for the culture of the Clippers right now with how they play, uh, all those qualities to have a chance to to really evaluate that. And and the free agents and having a chance just to be a part of the team here, Coach, you know why. I'm out of coaching here right now. It's just been exciting, and I'm just thankful for this opportunity to to be a part of it with this group, and uh, just learn every day. You're still learning, you know. It's one thing about it, regardless of where we've been. You've taught me that many years ago about being a lifelong learner, is that you never ever you haven't figured it out. There's something to learn new every day, and uh, and and that's that's what it's been for me here with this Clippers situation is uh, having a chance to learn and and be a part of putting a team together, which is really cool. Well, you know what's neat is that literally you, you get
0: paid to go out and watch games. And now you, you really get to go out there and you watch terrific coaches at the collegiate level and the NBA level. And you get to learn every day you're in a classroom. You're in someone else's classroom. And the thing that because of the reputation that you've built over the years with people, uh, coaches, uh, really programs that we competed against for years. Now they open up their doors and let you in. and They pull the screen, the, you know, the curtains back and let you come inside their program. And, and that's, you know, shows the great respect that they have for you. But a, a great learning opportunity for you, uh, to see so much about continuing to learn about the game, learning about players, learning about coaches. I think it's invaluable for you, Donnie. Really do.
1: No, it really is coach. No, it's, it's, you know, we, we've all been coaches, so we have our own fraternity and it's, it's there's yeah. so many good people out there, so many great coaches and the respect level I have for coaches is incredible, uh, being one myself and knowing what they go yeah. through every day. But now having a chance to walk in and, uh, and, and, and be behind the scenes with those coaches has been very humbling and to see how good they really are and, and how kind they have been, you know, to yeah. me uh, during this time. It's been great. Well, that just shows that that is that is the ultimate
0: thing, and and I love that they are sharing with you, a fellow coach, and that and that's 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 what our profession is supposed to be about—not just helping players grow, but helping other people grow in our business. But the thing I'm really excited about, Donnie, is I really want you to share with our listeners uh, your involvement with the John Maxwell team, and then also we're going to share how they can get in touch with you because we have a lot of people in the business community business leaders that listen to our podcast as well as coaches but talk a little bit if you would about uh you know why john maxwell what about john maxwell and what you are learned from him and what you're trying to do from your learnings
1: yeah absolutely coach yeah no, it, it gives me great pleasure to talk about that i've always been a uh, an avid reader, uh, avid learner. As you well know, we've had many talks on podcasts and reading books, and, and obviously there's a lot of great leaders out there. And, you um, know, obviously John Maxwell's a guy I've had a lot of respect for, along with John Gordon as well. And, but John Maxwell was, um, you know, had this program that, uh, that I thought was interesting that I'd kind of been following uh, that he had started called the John Maxwell Team. And uh, it really intrigued me, uh, and I'm always looking for ways to grow as a leader uh, to influence other people, and his whole thing on this in this new program he was talking about, coach was was about growing people to be able to grow others. Uh, my good friend uh, Colonel General Mark Hartling, had a great comment, you know, about leadership, who I've got to know well, and and we were talking about John Maxwell one morning when we were having coffee together, and he, and he mentioned that in the military they had this thing called the charm school. That they went to and if if you were a colonel they ended up inviting only 30 people to charm school out of all the great colonels in the military and if you made it to be one of those 30 people you had a chance to become a general it it got down to 30. And, and he says i remember the opening mark of the general when i walked in there he sat down and he said to us congratulations that all 30 of you have made it to this point in your career it's an incredible accomplishment uh, because of all the talented leaders that we have in the United States military, the greatest leadership academy in the world. And he says, but I want you all to know if we'd put all 30 of you in a plane and we would fly it straight into a mountain, that our United States military would not miss a beat without you.
0: And wow. so they're
1: all standing there, and they're looking at each other thinking, wow. He says, and the reason that we say that is because our military has, has been built on One important value, your key job is to grow the people to take your place, and that's what we focus on every day. So if we lose you, the person that's standing beside you can do your job. And I think that in leadership, that's what we're trying to do, and I think that's kind of John Maxwell's deal was, you know, how do we develop a culture and how do we grow people? You know, I'm a leader, but it has no value if I can't share it. And I got to be able to share the ability and our world needs leaders more today coaching than it ever does with the challenges that we have is leadership in every dimension. Doesn't matter if you're a coach or if you're at your workplace or you're at your church or at your community or you're in politics. You know, we all need leaders and it's not necessarily elected official. It's everybody can be one of those, but leaders are developed. They're not born. And I think that's what John Maxwell's program was about. And it intrigued me. I could get online and do it. I needed to throw my energy in full time to something else. I felt where I could add some value to people. That's something I've always enjoyed doing. And that's John Maxwell's big philosophy is, you know, he has his culture, you know, which is, one, value people. Two, live intentionally. Three, exceed expectations. Four is grow daily. Five is to have a positive attitude where you think in possibilities every day. Number six, equip people. OK, and, and 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 be the light. And number seven is, you know, be the example, you know, follow me. I mean, that's some of the greatest words you could ever say is people do what people see. And I think that, you know, with that, that's kind of what his his culture and what he was he was believing every day. So he put together a program that you can follow online and, uh, and, it's, and it's called Online University. And you can go on there, and with that, there's podcasts, there's calls, there's videos, and it gives you a whole blueprint that we're talking about and how to grow yourself as a leader. And in doing that, how to be able to go out and do workshops, how to go out and be able to do uh, lunch and learns, how to go out and to influence not only your team but businesses across the country because they're in such need of a blueprint to guide their companies and to guide their culture. And so, you know, with 28 years of experience of coaching and helping build culture and grow people and add value and influence, I thought I connected with that mindset where now, you know, there's a bigger calling. Maybe I could go out and now share my experiences of coaching and growing people and helping kids reach their dreams and helping coaches grow into to coaches and helping young boys when you sit in those mothers' homes tell their their parents that we can make them uh, become men someday here in four years and we give them back to you so they can go be leaders in their community when they're done in college and take that same vision so with that coach I I stayed with that program i signed up for it Uh, I learned so much online every morning I spent a couple hours reading and uh, I went to the big celebration that they have right here in Orlando which is a big huge convention four days I spent there four or five days Got to meet John Maxwell and his team of people, and it was one of the most influential things. I I was a part there just because the like-mindedness of how I think and how I felt about adding value to people, about being able to influence others, and here's the blueprint and that together with the things I've learned of how we could go out and and change culture. And I think that's what's excited me. He started out obviously a year ago, now he's up to 11,000 people, I think a part of his program they've certified. But his whole mentality, as we well know in coaching, he may have 11,000 coaches and those coaches are just not, they're people just like me and you. Some of them are ministers, firemen, police officers, teachers, accountants. They're people from all over the world that have the same mentality as to make a difference in other people's lives. And I think that's the value that's really good is, you know, how can we do that? And and he's his whole thing is 11,000 people influence 100,000 plus more for what they've been able to learn and do, and how do you do that? So that's what his program is about. And so I, I'm still learning, and I'm on it every day. I at least get an hour or more in every day, or I read something that, that inspires me to help grow other people. And I think that's that's the whole key with the John Maxwell program that he started. I that's spectacular
0: and uh you know you've been nice enough to share you know things you've learned with me and uh, I'm I'm so impressed so powerful you know you've been my coach for you know 15 plus years and uh you know and I think that's you know we all need coaches uh and 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 you are a great example of what coaching is about and uh and I thank you for everything you've done for me of what you Influence me and my family, and it's not just basketball for you and I. It's frankly a very, very small part of what we learn and share with each other every day. And, uh, and that's what makes you so special, Donnie. And, and I really appreciate you sharing with people. Donnie, if people want to contact you, uh, your website, uh, or email, if they want to get in touch with you, is there a way that they can do that?
1: Yeah, absolutely, coach. Uh, obviously my email was, uh, D Jones the number one at me me.com and okay. uh, my phone number's 407-256-8110 you can reach me there and then you know, i say I'm on Twitter at Donnie Jones and um uh, and I'm also uh you know i I got a Facebook page which is uh Coach Donnie Jones you can reach me on Facebook with that it's got all my stuff on John Maxwell and everything there so oh great, uh, great. I, you could reach me there so Coach, I'm honored. I'm humbled and thankful for the opportunity to be with you today. And, uh, and obviously, you've been an incredible influence on me as my my mentor for as a young coach at uh, Florida. Man, you always had time for me, and uh, our relationship started there. And and I learn every day from you, and value you, and uh, just thankful for all the time that I've been able to spend and learn from you uh, as we continue to grow our relationship. Very thankful, appreciate it. Well.
0: The feeling is very, very mutual, and uh, I'm so excited for where you are and where you're going to be. But, uh, Donnie, thank you again, my friend. And uh, I know our listeners are going to be real excited to hear this.
1: Appreciate your time. Thank you. Thanks, Coach. Have a great day. Appreciate it.